Hey, Katrina Macreg here, and I'm one of the executive producers on our Vive Church podcast. You've dropped in on a really special episode of Sunday Live at Vive Church. So typically we surface the Sunday's message out of our flagship location in Palo Alto, but we had a really monumental day scheduled on campus, so we decided to change our plans for today's podcast. If you call Vive Church your home church, or maybe you follow Vive or Pastor Adam on social media, you're likely aware that we've been talking a whole lot about our new Miracle Building. Well, we just got our keys to the building, and just before we start renovations, Pastor Adam commissioned us to use the first Sunday as occupiers of the building to gather as a church, to pray, and to commission the building, and of course, celebrate all that God's done and will do in this next era of Vive. So this Sunday service was a complete in-person experience, and it was a really monumental one. I will do my best to get that content surfaced at some point because the message Pastor Adam delivered today was really prolific and catalytic. So I should note that this is our first permanent building purchase actually, which is quite amazing in itself because we're a 10 year old church with 10 campuses around the world. So renovations in the building start this week. By the time you're hearing this, we're probably putting down brand new carpet. We're on a tight timeline because in just a few weeks, we'll be kicking off a men conference, which is our annual global conference in the new building. Quite literally, the first week of worship experiences in our building will be the three nights of revival and four days of acceleration of Amen Conference 2022. It's gonna be epic to come together as a global church, to hear from God, to invest and dedicate that time to worship together and to move the church forward as a united body of believers. You'll wanna be in the room for every moment of this. So August 24th through 27th is Amen Conference. And you can go to amenconference.org. I'll give more of these details at the end of the podcast. So this brings me back to today's podcast. In honor of Amen Conference, we thought it would be awesome to surface Pastor Adam's closing message from Amen Conference of last year, 2021. And he titled it, Let It Be So. It was a great, powerful message. It gave us revelation about the power of the meaning of the word amen. And it was a great banner church to understand the power that we have to agree with heaven. And it catapulted us into an exponential growth season as a church as we mobilized as an army to move the church forward. So without further ado, here is this awesome, powerful message from Pastor Adam called Let It Be So. I want you to grab your Bible out and turn to 2 Corinthians with me real quick. And I am gonna do what seems impossible, but I'm gonna preach in a very short amount of time. How many people feel like they've been a part of a special move of God this week? And I don't know about you, but there has, to me, been a theme emerging over the last few days. My, my wife began and she taught us not only how to hear the voice of God, but how to respond to the voice of God. That was great. Last night, Pastor Jeremy, he, he, he taught us that the miracle's on the other side of carrying the water. You gotta carry it, you gotta carry it. I wanna stay in that theme. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12, Paul the Apostle writes this, we can say with confidence and a clear conscience that we have lived with a God-given holiness and sincerity in all our dealings. We have depended on God's grace 
not in our own human wisdom. That is how we have conducted ourselves before the world and especially toward you. Our letters have been straightforward and there is nothing written between the lines and nothing you can't understand. I hope someday you will fully understand us even if you don't understand us now. Then on the day when the Lord Jesus returns, you'll be proud of us in the same way we are proud of you. Since I was so sure of your understanding and trust, I wanted to give you a double blessing by visiting you twice. First on my way to Macedonia and again, when I returned from Macedonia, then you could send me on my way to Judea. You may be asking why I changed my plan. Do you think I make my plans carelessly? Do you think I'm like the people of the world who say yes when they really mean no? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you does not waver between yes and no. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you about. And as God's ultimate yes, He always does what He says. For all God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for His glory. It is God who enables us along with you to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us and He has identified us as His own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first instalment that guarantees everything He has promised. Now I call upon God as my witness that I'm telling the truth. The reason I didn't return to Corinth was to spare you from a severe rebuke. But that does not mean we wanna dominate you by telling you how to put your faith into practice. We we wanna work together with you so you'll be full of joy for it is by your own faith that you stand firm. That, that's a, a potent passage of Scripture, how many people agree, and a beautiful framework for what I believe God wants to do in our lives before this conference ends. So I wanna do my best to speed preach to you from the subject, let it be so. Let it be so. How many people feel in the right posture, frame of mind and atmosphere to receive the Word of God tonight? Well, lift your hands. I wanna pray one more time. God, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, we thank You for Your Word that is deposited in our hearts. God, we thank You, Lord, that You are on an assignment. You have us on an assignment. And God, You are ready to mobilise people. You are ready to move people. God, You you have not shaken us loose from our comfort and from our strongholds and our safety places for no reason. God, You have shaken us to our core. You have moved our feet. You have moved our spirits. You have moved upon our lives. And so, God, we are ready for the marching orders. God, we are ready to respond to Your voice. We are ready to move with You and Your leading Holy Spirit. So speak to people tonight. In fact, invite Him right now. Say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Speak to me, God. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty Name. Let it be so, let it be so. Thank you, Vibe Worship. Go ahead, take your seat. Come back soon. Newcastle Christian Life Fellowship. That was the name of the church I grew up in as a kid. And honestly, the place where I pretty much spent most of my childhood because, you know, beyond Sundays, growing up in a Christian Life Fellowship, which was actually three services on a Sunday, none of this one service simple stuff. It was two services in the morning and Sunday night. 
Growing up in Newcastle Christian Life Fellowship, we had Monday night leadership nights. We had Tuesday night was connect group. Wednesday night was prayer meeting. Thursday night was worship rehearsal. And Friday night was youth group. And for a few years, I actually also attended the school that was attached to Newcastle Christian Life Fellowship, which was Newcastle Christian Life Academy. This wasn't a school. This was an academy. It was a Pentecostal academy. The difference between an academy and a school is a school, you might have a weekly chapel. You may have a weekly assembly. We had weekly revival meetings. And there was all kinds of things that I experienced as a kid growing up in Newcastle Pentecostal Christian Life Fellowship. Crazy things. I was exposed to many things. Some of the things that I was exposed to from a very young age was demonic deliverance. Anybody know about demons in here? I could tell you stories. I could tell you about manifestations. I could tell you about the demonic. I could tell you about all kinds of things. And there would be just some random meetings. It didn't even have to be a Sunday meeting. It could have just been a midweek prayer meeting. And the people you didn't even know had demons start manifesting. You? We shared a drink. <laughs> People run around with demons everywhere. And as a young kid, me and my buddy were always fascinated because when they would actually have someone, someone just starts manifesting, you know, and it starts small. They don't just come out like, hey, got a demon, help me. It's just like. <laughs> and you're like, oh, it's them. Call the deacons. I found them. I found them. And we'd be on the demon hunt like every time we could. We'd be like, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? My buddy would be like, hey, have you seen? There's a new person. It's probably them. <laughs> and we would always be fascinated because every time there was like a manifestation, someone was started convulsing and doing all kinds of things. This is back in Newcastle Christian Life Fellowship, the Pentecostal of the Pentecostal. We, they, they would take them and out of courtesy, the deacons would come around them shaken and they would take them into a back room. The deliverance room. And we always wanted to know what happens in the deliverance room. Like what happens out there? So one day we got smart. And before the meeting, we actually went into the deliverance room and we hid in the cupboard. We thought it was only a matter of time. Surely there's going to be some manifestations tonight. And true to word, not even worship had finished. And we're in the cupboard, growing weary, waiting for the uh, manifestation. All of a sudden, the demonic door opened to the deliverance room. They bring in this lady. There's like four guys holding her down. And she starts screaming and she starts wailing. They shut the door. We look at each other. We start screaming. We bust out of the cupboard. The deacons like have a heart attack. They thought the demons were in. They come out of the cupboard. It was wild. It was wild growing up in Newcastle Christian life. It was wild. But that wasn't even the, the most amazing thing that happened at Newcastle Christian Life Fellowship. Oh, oh, the, the best nights were prophecy night. How many people ever experienced a Pentecostal prophecy night? You had to have a prophecy shirt on. You had to stand out. 
on prophecy night, this was when a prophet would come to town and I don't know what qualified the prophet. Uh, didn't get a resume, but he was a prophet. She was a prophet and we would have prophecy night. On prophecy night, everyone wore their colours. Everyone wore something bright. You wanted to stick out because it was all about the status of the prophecy. You didn't want to get like some average prophecy. Like you're going to help people. Oh, I don't want that. I have to come to another prophecy night now. Everyone wanted the prophecy that was all about influence. Like I see you in front of stadiums. Glory. And then they would say this, if anybody wants this prophecy, you can claim it too. Everyone's like jumping in the air. Give it to me, God. And if it wasn't the stadium one, it was the finance one. I see multiple businesses. I see businesses on businesses. I see, I see, I see, I see money raining down from heaven. Everyone's catching it, you know, like. In the fellowship, in the academy. It's fascinating to me, you know, the, the way they would treat the prophecies, the, they would print them. They would have someone who would be writing the prophecy and they would give you a printout after the night if you were so lucky to get a prophecy. Yes. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody live that life? And you would get the printout of the prophecy in a way that you could slip it in with your other prophecies and periodically go back and peek at your prophecies just to remind you what God's going to do. At the same time, the people who received the prophecies did nothing with the prophecies except peek at them. Peek at them. People who had amazing prophecies, promises. This is what's going to happen. This is the influence. This is the life. This is what you can look forward to with God. But now being 41 years old, I... I know some of those people who haven't seen one element of those prophecies, which makes me wonder, was it, was God wrong? Was the, was the prophet wrong? Or, 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 or was there something we were meant to do? Well, this conference is called Amen, and a brand new album that actually will be out at the close of this sermon. It's called Yes and Amen. And we called it this for a very specific reason, very strategic reason, because ultimately when it comes to the promises, the plans and the purpose of God, that every promise requires a response. Now I'm saying that I don't want to freak you out and I don't want to kind of steer you wrong and suggest that in any way God is limited to something to do with us. God is not limited. He is sovereign. He is able to do whatever He decides to do. Because whether the promise came to you through uh, an ancient authentic prophecy or simply by applying the Word of God and the promises that are already written in the Word of God, it is imperative as a believer to understand that God is faithful to achieve that which He promises. In fact, maybe I could start this sermon right by giving you a proper perspective 
around the promises of God. This is going to be so helpful in the way that you see what God wants to speak into your world as Pastor Kira taught us, uh, the way you carry it as Pastor Jeremy taught us, and now the way that you actually begin to see the very things that you've hoped for, dreamed for, believed for actually come to pass. Not just stay like a prophecy in a folder, but actually begin to outwork in your life. Because what you will find is that there are actual, the actual word promise, it appears over a hundred times in the Bible with around 8,800 direct promises listed in Scripture. Of those promises, 7,847 are from God directly to mankind. And while these promises span eternity, they are both relevant and applicable to every generation. We see Solomon, he reflects on the promises of God in 1 Kings chapter 8, 56. He says, praise the Lord who has given rest to His people Israel just as He promised. Not one word has failed of all the wonderful promises He has given through His servant Moses. Paul also reflected on the generational promises of God. He says in Romans 15 verse 8, remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises He made to their ancestors. Now, now something that you need to understand about God's promises is that God's promises range from the promise of the Holy Spirit to God answering our prayers by faith. In fact, God's major promise to humanity is one of redemption and forgiveness, which is fulfilled through Jesus. And through Jesus, He also promises us peace. He promises us power, authority, and even greater work shall we do. He promises that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Note that He didn't promise that no weapon will be formed. He said no weapon will prosper. That is formed against you. So let's get that right. In the same way that He promises peace, He doesn't promise peaceful situations. He promises peace in situations. You've got to appropriate the promise. Now, even though there is actually no Hebrew word for promise, believe it or not, the, the Hebrew manuscripts instead use phrases like to speak and to say simply because God's Word is His promise. Like in the original language, they didn't even bother coming up with the word promise because any word that God said is a promise. His his word is His promise. There is no delineation between a promise from God and a non-promise from God. If it came out of God's mouth, it's a promise. It's going to happen. So they didn't even bother making a word up for it. It's redundant. Only emphasizes the fact that if God said it, He'll do it. If God's, find, a, find a favorable neighbor and say, if God said it, he'll do it. Tell him, tell him, tell him, tell him. Get interactive. If, if he said it, he'll. His word is his guarantee. And it's backed by his divine ability to perform every word that he spoke. This is why God's promises are trustworthy. Because the one who gives the promise is not a man that he should lie. And he is more than able to perform that which he has promised. In fact, biblically speaking, a measurement of faith is calculated by one's ability to receive a promise, to believe a promise. Like biblically speaking, the way you measure faith, faith is hard to measure. How much faith do you got? How much faith do you have? Do I have more faith? Do you have less faith? How do we measure faith? In the Bible, they measure faith by your belief in the promise. 
This is what we see with Abraham, Romans 4, 19, 21. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. He is the patriarch of faith because he believed in the promise of God despite the reality of his situation. The measure of faith is connected to the belief in the promise of God. So what we find is actually confirmed throughout Scripture is that God is good for it. <laughs> I thought I'd put it in Vox Gen language, that God's good for it. He's, he's good for it. He can do it. He can do it. He can make it come to pass in your life. It doesn't matter if your womb is dead. He can still use a dead womb. God is in the business of using dead things, in fact. In fact, God loves dead things because dead things are impossible to do anything with. And God lives in the realm of the impossible. And if it had a slight chance of it being possible for you, God doesn't get the glory. So he says, let's wait till it dies. Then I can do something with it. So you know exactly who did it all along. Because he's trying to produce more faith in your life to believe in the impossible. Measurement of faith is calculated by your belief in the promise. However, I don't think we have a problem with believing God's promise or His ability to deliver on that which He's promised. I think the problem lies within the fact that I'm still waiting on the promise. <laughs> Anybody with me? I'm still, I'm still waiting on the promise. I, I don't know anybody here, if, you, if, if you're still waiting on the promise from God tonight, uh, maybe you're standing on the promise for a child. Maybe you're standing on the promise for a spouse. Maybe, maybe you're holding on to the promise for significance and for influence and what can be discouraging or at least confusing is, is wondering when or how. I know you can, but when? I know you're able, but how in my life, in my context, how will this promise come to pass? And this was what was happening, especially in the context of 2 Corinthians. You see, because in 2 Corinthians, we have the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth, not just reminding them of God's faithfulness to what he had promised, but also talking about the, the promises of God in past tense. Check it out. Let me read it one more time because I, I read a lot of Scripture before. But he says this in verse 19, For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, Pastor Kira, Jeremy Johnson, and I preach to you. And as God's ultimate yes, He always does what He says. For all of God's promises, check this out, have been fulfilled. In Christ, with a resounding yes, and through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for His glory. Now, while this is elite scriptural writing from the apostle, it also presents quite an obvious question. If all of God's promises have already been fulfilled in Christ, then why am I not seeing them in my life? How many people are, 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 are smart enough to deduct the fact that there's a difference between the fact that the Bible says they've already been done 
all of God's promises, there ain't one single promise that has not been fulfilled in Christ. Christ Jesus is the fulfillment of promise. And so if all of God's promises have been fulfilled, past tense, in the past, if that's the past, that's where I was born, right down there. I went to Newcastle Christian Life Academy all the way back there. This is the future that I don't know yet, but if they've already been fulfilled in the past, why haven't I seen them? Yeah, great question, great question. Well, the promises of God, this is what Paul is presenting that, and he doesn't waver between yes and no. When he says yes, it's yes. When he says no, it's no. Ain't no middle ground. So it's either going to be done or it's not. And if God said he'll do it, but why aren't I seeing it in my life? This is the very context that Paul is writing in his letter to the church. You see, Paul had encountered some circumstances along his travel that, that forced him to change his plans. And this was disturbing to the Ephesians, sorry, to the Corinthians. They, they he reveals it in the first part of the letter. He said, yeah, we face some trouble while we're in Asia. He mentions that they were crushed, overwhelmed beyond their ability to endure. And at one point, he didn't even think that they would make it through. As a result, he had to change his plans to visit the church. Now, this seemed to not only destabilize the church's confidence in Paul's authority as an apostle of Jesus, but it also affected their own faith around the plans of God. And what it revealed is, was, was their confusion around what's safe and what's secure. I've been waiting a whole 15 months to preach on what's safe and what's secure. I, I've been... I've been holding this in my spirit, behaving myself as a pastor, making sure that in the right time I can preach the right word. How many people know it's the right word at the right time and the right word at the wrong time doesn't hit the same, it can produce more condemnation, but I've been waiting to preach this because in an effort to stay safe, we've retreated to homes, we've distanced from each other, we've isolated ourselves and emphasized safety as the highest priority of human living. Now, I'm not against being practical, okay? I'm not against that at all. However, I cannot afford to miss the subtle tactic of the enemy to blind us with safety because to, to stay safe means I don't step. <laughs> in, in fact, oh, behave. The, the, reason, the reason this took me so long to be able to preach it is because I want to make sure I did a biblical study on safety. And, and honestly, the Bible does talk about God's keeping you safe. We see it in Jeremiah. We, we, we see it in, in Exodus. We see it even in Genesis, in Psalms. However, don't miss the fact that, that, that the context of every time the Bible preaches about safety is actually in the context of battle or being on mission. In other words, what the Bible talks about when he says, I will keep you safe, is he says, I will go before you and I will keep you secure. You will be in the palm of my hand. Even though the war rages around you, there is no safer place to be than on mission for God. It's the context. Not in retreat. You see, staying safe is staying in the boat. Being secure is stepping out with the knowledge that God has got me even if I'm stepping into the storm. He's a rock. Side note, the safest place to be, the safest place to be is not sheltered from the storm, but walking on the waves with Jesus. 
And so we've got this church that's shook by the unpredictable nature of Paul the Apostle. We thought your plans were secure. We, we thought God's plans were secure. And now we've got an anomaly. How do we deal with this anomaly? How, it didn't go the way we thought. Is God real? Is God's promises? Am I going to have? They, they were questioning everything because the apostle changed his travel plans. It's crazy. But before you throw rocks at the Corinthians, how often does one anomaly in our life question everything in our life regarding the promises and the purposes of God? In fact, I would go as far as saying that in my experience and what I read in the Word of God, the calling of God is so wild that it's unpredictable. <laughs> it's unpredictable, which is why I believe the promises of God hold so much power because despite the unpredictable nature of life, God's plan for you will prevail. And I believe that it is my distinct assignment tonight and for this conference, leading into this conference and what God spoke to me about what this conference needs to produce in your life is firstly to reveal to the church the wild calling that we have in Christ by understanding the part that we play in the purpose, plan and promises of God. That yes, God does the lion's share of the promises, but you have a part to play. You have a part to play. Three people caught that, and I'm so glad I can keep moving on, preaching to three people tonight. But I'm hoping that we would all understand that we have a part. This would, this would be offensive kind of preaching to Newcastle Christian Life Fellowship. What, you mean I got to do something with this promise from God? No, no, God's going to do it. Like God said it. He will do it. Me ain't even in there. I'm going to preach in front of stadiums. I'm not going to go to my neighbor. <laughs> Don't wait for the stadium. The prophet didn't say go to your neighbor. The prophet didn't say go to your boss. The prophet didn't say speak in front of your classroom. I'm waiting for the stadiums. You know, and it's something that Paul presents in two parts, the part that we play, in fact. He says, in response to God's promises, we say amen. Amen, which means yes. Amen. He, he makes sure he emphasizes that's what amen means. It's a Hebrew word that is most often used at the end of an introduction, a prayer or a promise, and it provides us with a means of agreement and alignment. That's what amen does. That when you say amen, and there's different moments in this conference where God has revealed something, you've just said Amen. Maybe it was a force of habit. Maybe it was Christian rhetoric to you. But I'm telling you what you did is you came into alignment with God. You came into agreement with the Word. And you said, let it be so in my life. No, let it just be a Word that doesn't hit. Let it be a, a place like a seed that comes like on good soil and it gets planted in. And I'm praying that it'll produce fruit because I gave it permission. I aligned with God. That's what amen means. Let it be so. It's... It's a response reserved for the saints. It's a verbal release of authority. It's a contractual alignment and agreement with God's promises. Amen or let it be so brings us into partnership with the God who works to activate what's held up for us. Let it be so says, God, I want what you've got for me. 
Let it be so, says I'm surrendering to the way in which God wants to work in my life. Let it be so, says uh, an affirmation. It's, a, it's an affirming decision. It's an affirming sentence to the power of God to perform all that He spoke. It's my connection. It's my part to play when God's promise comes. You better say amen. You better let something emanate from your mouth because God speaks things into creation. That when you speak in response, it takes what God will create and actually forms it in your life. God is not just speaking any longer into the dead earth. He's looking for a resonance. He's looking for a reverberation. He's looking for a spirit that will reconnect and reverberate with His promises that are going across the earth. Let it be so is the confirmation of His wild and wondrous works. Let it be so is the bold yes filled with faith and belief. Let it be so is the synchronizing moment of celestial permission and angelic activation. This is the let it be so, which is why we wrote in that song, nothing less that we sang yesterday, let my amen give you glory. <laughs> let my amen Give you glory. There is a glorious word that God will speak, but when it comes to my response, my amen is what glorifies God because it reveals that that word is true. And I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. It's what Paul presents here in verse 20. He says, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes, and through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. So God's blessed when you say amen. God's blessed when you, how many people want to bless the Lord? <laughs> bless the Lord, oh my soul. Start saying amen to the Word and the promises. Stop rejecting the promises of God. <laughs> Our amen gives you glory. Our amen glorifies God and it acknowledges the finished work of Jesus Christ. And when you get this revelation, you think differently. You begin to think differently. We, we prophesied uh, at the beginning of this year, God just gave me a word. We were at the beginning of the year and I just, it was crazy. So much uncertainty going into the year that we just had. And, you know, I don't know what you were navigating. I don't know what leadership role you hold in your life. I don't know if you're leading a family, you're leading a team at a workplace. I don't know if you're leading a company. But sometimes when you're leading a church, you've got a whole lot of people and companies and families that are responsible for the direction that you've got to lead them in spiritually. And it didn't feel like the right word at the time, but just in being obedient to God, I decided to speak out. This is the year of property. It's <laughs> the year of property. This is the year of property. This is the year of property. Hoping that it would be for the church to buy a building, to be honest with you. But then we start seeing all these people buying properties. Like taking it as if it was a word from God saying, amen, I'm going to get my down payment together. I'm going to start finding ways. i got to find a real estate agent. i got to start looking on Zillow. The, the, the promise of God is in my life. Let me say amen and start doing something with that amen. One person is, is, is Naomi. I don't know how many people know Naomi. Naomi hides up on the keys. No, don't come out yet. No, come out actually, come out. Yeah, come out, Naomi, but don't go to the keys. Come out here. Wave to everybody. Now you can go back. Naomi, Naomi's been, Naomi's, Naomi's been on our team. I think, Naomi, you probably were in Newcastle Christian Life Fellowship at one stage. I think your mum was, but, 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 
But honestly, we've been, been believing for, for many years for Naomi to get a house. We've been through many disappointments, many denials, many rejections, many moments where we, were, we almost didn't, didn't happen. And, and then just like a couple of weeks ago, Naomi got a house. And, and, and we're celebrating, and we're celebrating over text message, and she's texting Kira and I, and she's like, we got the house, and we're like, congratulations, this is awesome. She's like, thank you so much for prophesying the, the year of properties. And I said, well, next year I better prophesy the year of husbands, ha <laughs> ha, you know what I mean? And, you know, just, we, that's how we talk. To which she replied, to which she replied, why wait? Let's declare it now. I, I said, now you're getting it. Now you're getting it. Now you're getting it. Why would you wait when you know what God has for you? Uh, I'm not gonna wait to the future. It's already done in Christ Jesus. So now I gotta start aligning my amen with what God already said so I can begin to see it in my life. So I can see it in my life. I gotta put my amen on the Word of God. Why would I wait till next year? Imagine Naomi sitting like December in her new house. Brand new house, no furniture, but new house. Spent all on the down payments. So she's going to sit on a rug. She's going, man, this year can't finish enough. I can't wait for a husband to come along because the new year, then we can. Why would you wait? Why would you take that prophecy from Newcastle Christian Life Fellowship and, and put it in a folder for someday? Because the idea of the prophecy is when I get older or when I get there, or we always put an image to the promise of God. When I'm better, when I'm more skilled, when I got more money, when I've got all the things that God needs to fulfill His promise that He promised me when I had nothing, that when I get the thing, oh, four people got that, four people got that. And so we, we, we wait on, on God and we wonder, we wonder when's it, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? And to understanding, understanding that it's already fulfilled in Christ. So stop, so step, in, step into agreement. You've got to step into agreement. In fact, this is such an important aspect of the promise of God that they've already been fulfilled in Christ. In other words, he's, there's nothing, he, there's nothing he hasn't done. There's, he's done it. It's as good as done. It, that's, that's the best way to interpret what Paul is saying. It's as good as done. It's as good as done. Why are you wondering? Why are you wondering? It's as, it's as good as done. So if God has already done all that he promised, if it's already fulfilled in Christ, could the reason that I haven't seen it yet in my life have less to do with God and more to do with me? This ain't the word you want to hear. No, this ain't the word you want to hear. The, 
the word you want to hear is God's just going to do it. As you walk out the doors tonight, God's just going to do it. Because you've been at conference and you've been in the presence of God. And that was the key. That Don't change anything about your life. Don't change anything about your actions. Don't change anything about your habits. Don't change anything about your lifestyle. Don't change anything about your spending. Don't change anything about your giving. Just... You don't want to hear that it could have something to do with me. In fact, I've heard entire sermons on waiting for God, but they, they fail to understand that the Bible doesn't ask us to wait for God. He asks us to wait on God. That's completely different. This is an active seeking and trusting and hoping on God. This is why in verse 21, the apostle adds something that is easily missed. And as the second part to seeing the promise of God outworked in your life, first you've got to say amen. First you've got to come into agreement. First it's got to resonate with God. Say yes, let that be so. And he says this in verse 21, it is God who enables us along with you to stand firm in Christ. And he has commissioned us. And he's identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. Now I call upon God as my witness. This sounds like a courtroom that I'm telling the truth. The reason I didn't return to Corinth, he, he wanted to spare them a severe rebuke. That's what was coming. He was fascinated, in fact, as he's writing this to them because his plan was as a leader to come in and fix some stuff. If you read on in Corinthians, you see some of the stuff he adjusted, but he had to change his plans. And now they're complaining that he changed his plans. He's like, man, God, I was coming to rebuke you. And you're mad about that? But he saw it destabilize them and he says, but this does not mean, mean we want to dominate you by telling you how to put your faith into practice. We want to work together with you so that you'll be full of joy for it is by your own faith that you stand firm. It's, it's by, your, it's by your, your own. There is an incredible onus here on you as the reader and you as the recipient of the promise of God, it's not based on the faith of the prophet who delivers the word. It can't be on the faith of the pastor who's trying to put the word in you. It's, Paul says it's on your own faith. There has to be a revelation that I play a part in the promise of God. Am I going at a pace that Everyone can handle. I'm, I'm trying to make sure I labor on the fact that Paul goes to great lengths to make sure the Corinthians know it's not on me. It's on you. It's on your own faith. Let it be. So this is a powerful translation of amen. Let it be so. Let it be so. Amen. He says, amen. Let it be so. And after doing some digging, I've been wondering if while the translation may be correct, the punctuation may be off. <laughs> because that's what we got. We don't know this in the Bible. The Bible was written in ancient languages that we don't really know exactly where the emphasis was. We know what there are some correlating words and we do our best knowing the patterns of the words through the scripture and how we can actually best apply them in the English language. But where we get a lot of misses is where the emphasis are, where the punctuation should be. Because actually in the original language, there was no ends of sentences. It was just one long sentence. One long sentence. So we've got the Septuagint. We've got these scholars that go through the Bible assuming that, well, this sounds like the end of a sentence and this sounds like the start of a new one. 
go for our benefit, putting pauses and places and elements within the Scripture so that we can read it and take that verse and apply it to our life. Walk on the Word of God. Missing the context of the other verses, but that doesn't matter. you got one verse. <laughs> got that one verse, I'm going to read it in isolation. I've got that one verse, I'm going to apply it to my life. I don't care what the context was. Some of you all have been claiming promises for, 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 for finances, but God was saying promises for children, and you've been wondering why I keep having kids, Vance and Kim. <laughs> Vlad and Jana keep claiming the kid promise over your life. Won't he do it? In fact, I have to illuminate something. The, the reason we say amen at the end of a meal or, or an agreement to a good word is because this is what Paul modeled for us. Didn't get it from Newcastle Christian Life Fellowship, we got it from the Bible. Throughout his letters, what we see with the apostle is he begins with a greeting or a prayer that often ends with amen. However, I gotta tell you, Jesus models something different. You see, where, where Paul ends with an amen, when speaking, Jesus often began with amen. In several scriptures, we see Jesus speaking to crowds and he actually begins with amen, I say to you. <laughs> which not only appears strange to us, but would have actually been very random to the, to the people that he was preaching to in that day as well, because amen was traditionally an ending or a response, not the start of a sentence. Jesus, don't you know how to do this? You're meant to be a preacher. For years in the Hebrew language, they had heard at the end of a prayer, a chorus, and even at the end of some psalms, they say, amen. And all the people said, amen. This is what was the habit, the pattern, the passed down from generation to generation that the right response to the Word of God was to say, amen. But Jesus messes it all up. In fact, in one of His first appearances, His public preaching, He starts with, amen, I say to you. Now in your translation, it's in John 10, you, the English translators have done their best and so they write, Jesus says, verily, verily, I say to you. <laughs> so nice. <laughs> but in the original, he says, amen, amen, I say to you. Why'd you do that, Jesus? <laughs> so what, what they missed is the fact that Jesus didn't use amen simply as a follow-up agreement, but a creation statement. Oh, stay with me, stay with me. In fact, even in Revelation 3.14, we're at the end of the book now. Like the final chapter in the book, the Bible. In the final chapter, Revelation 3.14, it says this, write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. So what, what Revelation says, say with me, this is gonna get a little complex. What Revelation says at the end of the book is that Jesus is actually the amen of God. That Jesus, he, we, we see it as the fulfillment of prophecy. 
promise, that Jesus, that, that all the promises of God have been fulfilled in Jesus. What Revelation does, and we know who wrote Revelation, it was John. What John understood is, and he reveals this in his gospel, that Jesus was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So right from the end of the book, he looks back to the beginning of the book, and he says, you know this Jesus I've been talking to you about? Another name for Jesus is the Amen of God. It's not that Jesus is taking orders from God and saying, okay, I'll go ahead and fulfill that in their life. He's like every word that proceeded from Jesus informing the world and forming your life was as good as done from the moment it came out. There is nothing Jesus can speak that will not be fulfilled. He is the Amen of heaven. He is the Amen of God. So when you say Amen, you say, Jesus, go to work. Jesus, I give you permission. Not just let it be so, but, but, but Jesus, you do it. Do it. I'm inviting you, Jesus. I want this. I want your word. Let it, let it be. Let it be so. See, John had that revelation. He, he knew it. He knew that Jesus was the word. In fact, what if we, what if we did what Jesus did and we, we played with the punctuation a little bit. Let it be so. Let it be so. We're just assuming that this is actually the way it's meant to be written. Let it, let it be so, period, in my life. The problem with where the period is, is the period means I don't do nothing from that. Let it be so. Done, period. Media team, maybe you could help me because I feel like we've got something. In fact, I think we've got two sentences here. Could, could you change that to a comma, the period? Could you just maybe make that into a, into a comma? Because I don't like the fact that it ends with, is that possible? I don't even know if this is possible. Are they able? Oh yeah, can you turn it into a comma for me? And uh, you know what a comma, yeah, that's a comma. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> the media team's in like, what's a comma? <laughs> I didn't go to school, we just. In fact, I don't even like the, the placement. Can you put it instead of after the so, can you put it after the B? Because that's a whole sentence just there. Let it be. Let it be. Just let it be. I'm not gonna get in the way any longer, God. I'm not gonna present all my failings. I'm not going to present all my inadequacies. Just let it be. I'm just going to let it be. I'm not going to fight God on the fact that He wants to bless my life any longer by giving Him a long list of reasons why He shouldn't. I'm just going to let it be. Somebody just needs to let it be tonight. Somebody has been disqualifying yourself and now you just need to just let it be. Let it be. I didn't go to the right school. Just let it be. I haven't had the experience, just let it be. Let it be, let it be, just let it, let it be. There's a whole sentence, just let it be. Let it be, who needs to let it be? Somebody just needs to let it go, let it be. Let, it, let go all the disqualifiers, let go all the... I've made too many mistakes, just let it be. Can't change it. Let it be. It is what it is, it was what it was. 
got to let it be. I've got to let anxiety go. I've got to let all the things I wish I could have avoided and changed realize that there's nothing I can avoid or change. I'm just going to let it, let it be. Let it be. And then we can bring back so. Bring back so. But instead of a period, just give me a, a few of them. <laughs> can you do that? I don't know if we can give a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let it be so. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Nothing I can change about the past. Is what it is. Was what it was. I'm just going to let it be. And God, your promises, I want them to be in my life. So, what are you going to do? So watch me begin to work my gifts. <laughs> so move out the way while I flex my faith a little bit. So, so keep up because I'm not sitting still any longer. I've had my prophecies filed for far too long. Time to get them out and start doing something about it because... I've got permission. That's what a prophecy is. Did you know what a promise from God is? A promise from God is a permission slip. See, see, you see, Newcastle Christian Life Fellowship, we printed the prophecies and we put them in a file. We didn't realise that we were meant to print them. We weren't meant to file them. We're meant to carry them as the permission slip to start calling God's promises into our life. So because God said I could do it, I'm gonna start working. Because God said, God said I can do it, I'm gonna start giving. Because God said I can do it, I'm gonna start putting my gifts to work. So watch me serve. So watch me show up to church every Sunday. So watch me not live a casual Christian life. So watch me begin to work the miracles of God as if the miracles are already done. So take a look, so take a look, so take a look. Let it be so, 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 so. I don't know what so means for you. I don't know what so means for you. I don't know what so means for you. I don't know if, if, if so means that I've got to start shifting some priorities. I've got to start shifting some habits. I've got to start putting some prayer in my life. Because, because if, the, if the promise of God for you is to preach and to prophesy in, in front of thousands of people, you, you, the so should be a prayer walk. The, the, the so should be a, 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 a signing up to so, the so. The so should have some action to it. I might not have an invitation to preach in a stadium, but can I, can I pray? Can I get a daily habit so that when I get to the stadium, I got some substance on the inside of me? Can I start digging some things? Can I start preparing some soils? Can I start doing what I've already got because God has already done so much? I haven't seen the full completion of the promise, but there's already something He's given me. God's inviting us on the journey. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be. So I'm not staying still. I'm not staying anxious. I'm not staying depressed. Instead, I'm standing on the fact that because God said it, it's my invitation to begin putting the promise to work in my life. Let it be. 
let it be. So, so I'm expecting things to get wild. <laughs> I can't expect things to just stay still. I can't expect things to stay safe. I can't expect when God says that He wants to produce a man of faith, that He's gonna put me in a faithless environment, that, that when God calls me a man of faith, I'm gonna experience some moments where my faith may be put to test, where there may be a storm, and instead of seeing it as a storm, I see it as an opportunity to begin to step out on water and begin to put my faith to work because God needs to produce something in my life so this, so this life could get a little wild. This life could get a little crazy. This life might get a little, where is my worship team? My worship team should be out here already. We're gonna get wild in here and I need you to get this in your spirit that God is putting the sow in your hands. God is, He has done everything. There is nothing left for Jesus to do concerning the promises for your life. There's nothing left for Jesus to do. He's already done it all. He says, it's over to you. So here's my question. So what are you gonna do? So what are you gonna do? Are you gonna stay hiding? Are you gonna stay stuck? I'm waiting for God to set me free. He already broke every chain. There's nothing holding you back any longer. There's no more chains. There's no more chains. It's a figment of your imagination. You've built a prison around your mind. You're letting the things that you should let be stay in your life. But if you just let them be and say, so God, let's let this get a little wild in my life place, in our church, in our family, in our kids, in our finances. Let's let it get wild. Let's let it get wild. Let's let it get wild. Hey, Katrina here again. If that message spoke to you and you need prayer, you can DM us on social media. You can send us an email. Just connect with us. We'd love to connect and pray with you. You can take a look at the description on how to exactly do this so we can get connected. If you want to catch the full video version of this message, head over to our YouTube channel and subscribe. We've got some great new plans for content coming your way, including our weekly Sunday podcast. Lastly, as I mentioned earlier, I want to give you some details for Amen Conference 2022 because it's just right around the corner. August 24th through 27th in Mountain View, California in our brand new building, we're going to have three nights of revival and four days of acceleration. It's hosted by our global lead pastors, Pastors Adam and Kira Malcolm. And you know, let me mention some of this lineup to you. Joel Cave from Glow Church Australia, Tim Timberlake from Celebration Church, Andrew Holt from The Belonging Co., Obed Martinez from Destiny Church, and check out this Hype Session Silicon Valley lineup. We're gonna cover topics such as Web3 and the future of the church, successful blend of business and ministry and ministry market fit. And the panelists on those early evening sessions are gonna include experts from their field of anything from crypto to innovation in business, names such as Storyland Studios, Overflow App, and Mistin Labs, to name a few. 
I can't forget to mention that Vibe Worship will be leading every epic worship experience. We've got VoxGen wrap-up sessions with pastors Ben and Jackie. There are youth leaders here at Vibe Church, and they've got a special guest, Elijah Lamb, for those particular sessions. Those are for youth only for middle school and high school students. And one last thing I have to mention for our families, we have a concurrent and equally as epic experience happening for our kids 2 through 11. It's called Riot Conference. And let me tell you, our ministry at Vive Church for Royal Kids and at Riot Conference is more than a daycare. It is absolutely instilling the Word of God and instilling love for worship and how to glorify God in the most epic ways happening at Riot Conference. So we encourage you to register at amenconference.org right now. There's different pricing for adults, students, and kids. And if you're registering as a family, you can actually register for Amen Conference and Riot Conference simultaneously. If you're interested in bringing your teams from work or from church, just message us. We would love to see if we can help you qualify for a discount code for groups. You know, you've heard the saying before, you're often just one connection away from your breakthrough. That connection could be here at Amen Conference. We want to encourage you to make the connection, get your tickets, be in the room for all the epic moments. Something amazing happens when the body of Christ comes together and dedicates time to invest in hearing from God and for worshiping together to see the church move forward. We really hope you can join us at Amen Conference 2022. Go to amenconference.org to register right now.